Welcome to the Chiropractors Association of Australia podcast. The CAA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by Dr. Anthony Coxon, this podcast explores the science, art, philosophy, and politics of chiropractic, as well as the latest research and how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Now, today's podcast is the first in a two-part series entitled The Brain, Pain, and the Jaw, Head, and Face. It is, in fact, also the title of an upcoming seminar aimed at chiropractors and dentists. Now, our guest today is one of the speakers of that, uh, at that seminar, and he'll be known to many of you out there. If you've done anything in the area of neurology in the last couple of decades, you've probably come across this speaker. He's uh, very prolific and very uh, well-respected. And I'm speaking of none other than Dr. Paul Noon. Now, Paul has a PhD in health psychology and complementary medicine from the University of Exeter. He's probably best known, however, to chiropractors for bringing the Carrick Functional Neurology Program to Australia. Hi, Paul, and thanks for making time to be on the CA podcast. Thanks very much, Anthony. It's great always, to be here. It's always great to uh, have you. Um, perhaps maybe we could start by just, I, I know your upcoming seminar that you're doing with uh, Dr. Russell Mottram gets going in the next uh, few weeks, and we'll give the details of that at the, uh, at the end of the podcast. But tell me, how did you, uh, you and Russell come together, and how did you sort of start with this, this particular program? Well, Russell and I go back um, to the, um, I'm embarrassed to say, but to the late 70s when we both started at RMIT together in first year in 1979. We became close friends during that course and maintained, maintained our friendship uh, through the years. Uh, I moved on into my area of specific interests and clinical interest in practice, and Russ moved on to his. His happened to be... Uh, the cranial work and facial pain, TMJ, he ended up working with dentists and becoming very well established um, with, with fabulous clinical protocols in this area. I went on and moved into uh, neuroscience after my PhD and uh, eventually last year we sat down after realizing we were referring to each other with different types of problems, me with many chronic pain patients who had their primary peripheral triggers in the TMJ, and Russ with TMJ problems who had chronic central pain syndrome. So eventually we decided we might sit down and formulate a, a program to teach other practitioners how we deal with these cases. Sounds like a marriage made in heaven uh, there, Paul. It's certainly uh, the logical combination. Now, you're going to be doing the neurological, obviously, side of the uh, presentation, and I understand a major topic of that is uh, central sensitization. Perhaps you could start by explaining what that is. Yes, well, most of us probably understand pain in our patients as being um, a disruption of nociceptors uh, in the peripheral system. So someone hits you or punches you or you fall over and damage a bone, you'll end up with peripheral pain. So those nociceptors sending information into your system and your brain interpreting that as pain or suffering. And as long as you deal with the peripheral problem uh, and relieve that problem, you'll probably relieve the pain syndrome. Unfortunately, uh, many of our patients, or a fairly significant proportion of our patients, um, have an echo, a storage of that pain. So that pain gets stored within neural networks in our system. Um, so it's, it's a, like a pain storage system. Uh, and from there, that pain gets passed from the normal areas of our brain to areas within our limbic system. So people now start to experience pain in the absence of nociceptor stimulation. 
And these syndromes, these pain syndromes are, are very common. You'll know them mainly in uh, cases like fibromyalgia, chronic tension type headache, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, TMD, temporomandibular disorders, um, and chronic non-specific low back pain. The scientific information at the moment would categorize most of those conditions I've just given to you as central pain disorders or central sensitization. So uh, I'm going to try and help you with uh, exploring that, all these people who are coming to the seminar, with exploring the concept of central sensitization, identifying it, and coming up with some strategies to help. Now, the biggest reason I'm joining with Russ is uh, the, the main issue with TMD, temporomandibular disorder, is that it has a very high central sensitization component and there's been a lot of research into that area so we use that as a an opportunity to get together and uh and meld our two areas so for the average chiropractor out there who's uh looking in front of a patient and and perhaps it might be a chronic pain um scenario it might be that they have tmd or or, or a non-specific low back pain how do they go about determining whether this is a peripheral or a central sensitization issue well, we always assume that our attendees are, are trained health practitioners, so they're very used to taking a, a history from a patient and examining a patient. So primarily it'll come through your history of that patient and the, the subsequent examination. The history will probably give you an indication whether that peripheral nociceptive experience is being passed through to deeper areas of the brain within the limbic system, particularly the insula. Um, so you'll probably start to see, first of all, in the history of the patient complaining of, um, not uncommonly, a combination of these disorders. A person might have TMJ pain, but the history might also explore that they've had a history of, um, of uh, irritable bowel syndrome, for example. They've had a history of fibromyalgia. They've had a history of perhaps chronic fatigue syndrome, um, a history of headaches. So... I think it's always important that when you hear that someone's presenting to you as a practitioner with one of these conditions, you explore with the patient to see whether they've had experiences or problems within those other conditions as well. So as soon as you hear that they might have had multiple chronic central sensitization syndrome problems, that should alert you to um, the fact that this might be the primary issue. Um, once you've done that, you you need then to start exploring the concept of examining the patient. The patient then will most likely have pain that is outside the classic dermatomal um, presentation. Pain tends to be all over. It tends to be bilateral. It tends to be funny experiences. People talk to them about them as ants crawling up and down. The pain shifts. It comes. It goes. It's with stress. Um, they've had multiple experiences with other practitioners um, as you bring that type of history together, um, you lay it down with the fact that as you touch a patient, they're very alert, they've got high alert um, behaviour about them, they're wondering what you're doing, they're cont continually um, reaching over to stop you touching them because they, they fear it's going to hurt them for the rest of the week, they're going to be sore for two days after you do the examination because the last person who examined them caused them pain for the next three days. There are various tip fairly typical uh, presentations on the examination. Their response to 
your examination is well beyond what you would expect. And I don't like saying this, but in a, in a normal patient. And often that's because the limbic system is involved. Um, it's fear-based. It's an anticipatory pain. So, um, and, and it's real. It's real for the patient. So it's very important to understand that. So one of the other things, unfortunately, in central pain disorders and central sensitization is there's usually a, a history of childhood trauma. Now, that trauma could have been a, a major car accident or a fall or a fracture. But it can be psycho-emotional trauma as well. So it can be abuse, psychological abuse, emotional abuse, or physical abuse. So often that gets stored within those limbic pain networks as a child and and uh, basically stays there and comes out later on and emerges and manifests later on. I, I guess we're told when we're uh, going through undergraduate studies about red flags and yellow flags, and of course one of the uh, key yellow flags is fear avoidance behavior. I guess that really would tie in very much to this is a patient who may have central sensitization. Yeah, de definitely, particularly with low back pain, we've found, you know, we've, we've been trained over the years that you might have a, a fear avoidance questionnaire or, a, you know, a, one of the very similar questionnaire tools that have been developed over the years. The researchers in that area, like Mayer and so on, have really moved into exploring now central brain networks as that explanation and linking that together with the somatic experience that a person's um, under undergoing um, to explain, you know, the multitude of symptoms that are, that are happening. There are other issues there. Of course, those, those parts of the brain are very sensitive to neurotransmitters and chemicals that might impact that. They're sensitive to, to dopamine changes, serotonin changes, adrenaline changes. These neurotransmitter systems will actually wake up different uh, pain networks, different behavior networks. So often you might find people who have these uh, central sensitization, they'll have a, a motor behavioral a network that really drives their everyday processing. So um, you, you'll see their behavior tends to become very, very um, networked, very typical. So um, yeah, and, and it's a very real experience for people. So that's correct, yep. Uh, you mentioned earlier about how um, childhood experiences that are, you know, where there's been some physical or emotional uh, abuse of, of children are often linked to uh, central sensitization problems in adults. So that, that brings in a whole new facet of thought when we're talking about child abuse, doesn't it? It does. Yes, it is. Uh, unfortunately, the impact that, that can't, our frontal lobes as a child, we, we can't explain and rationalize this and understand. So we process it as a child in a very different way. And it may be that as we, this post-traumatic stress disorder, um, which is very typical, for example, of young, young soldiers in war when they, their frontal lobes aren't well developed and they don't really understand what the circumstances were. And as an older person, they start reliving those experiences through their frontal lobes and, and rationalization. Very similarly, um, touch particularly later on in life uh, in a adult or pain in the periphery, especially pain around the pelvis, pain around the back, pain around the neck, may actually unfortunately trigger uh, deeper held memories within the amygdala and various deeper uh, limbic structures um, to then wake up some of those experiences and there'll be a lot of trouble in attempting to explain those experiences uh, through your frontal lobe um, and that can be very traumatic for people so unfortunately that 
uh, that tends to be a confounding factor uh, when you're treating patients. I'm sure many of your your listeners out there will be understanding that. And there's even within our profession, there's many ways of dealing with this. Things like your emotional technique um, work specifically very well to um, to bring out and expose those to people so they can actually deal with them. Um, I work with psychologists, so we will always be identifying these patients because you have an idea that unless that's being processed as well you'll never shift the suffering from what we call the limbic structures um, back to the realization of a pain in the the parietal lobe we process all our somatic experiences normally through the parietal lobe uh, but these people uh, these poor patients that are suffering central sensitization they're processing it through more medial or, or limbic areas especially the the insular or the anterior insula so we, we try to show our attendees techniques to shift the processing of these bodily experiences from areas that typically process visceral experiences when you get butterflies and you're nervous that's processed through the anterior insula mm. that's a normal experience but you don't you should not be processing you know my hand pain through my anterior insula yes it's very vague and very uh, very difficult to to explain and um, that's what we're trying to train out and teach our patients recognize that this pain's not been processed through the normal parietal somatic experience it's been processed in the limbic system so that's that's it's it's great we love we love explaining this to patients and particularly with TMD because temporomandibular disorder has a very high significant component of their pain being processed through these limbic areas. So let's stay on that uh, TMD uh, concept for a little bit longer. Uh, you mentioned how that central sensitization is very strongly linked to TMD and that all the current research is suggesting that. Can you just talk a little bit further about that? Yeah. Um, the, most of this research has been conducted by the dentists, dental, uh, the dental profession over the last 10 years. Um, they pretty much dedicated uh, a lot of research into TMD, and this has been published through what was called the OPERA study. Um, and the OPERA studies were uh, like an orofacial pain um, program of research that looked right down to the genetic biomarkers of TMD, right through to the social consequences of TMD. They looked at the brain imaging of TMD patients. They started to map out the neurophysiology of the trigeminal system, how it ends up uh, being processed through the brainstem. So we'll all know that we have various nuclei in our brainstem that process information from the trigeminal distribution. They looked at how this is all processed through emotional areas. So the, the dentists did a really um, profound amount of work and that, that those series of publications over 10 years have, uh, have come to fruition in the last 18 months. And uh, we reach into that in our seminars. We reach into that literature um, and explain that and um, try to merge. Russell is a, is seriously an expert in um, – fabulous expert. I, I have to say I probably learnt more about, uh, about the TMJ in, in sitting with Russ uh, and having the experience of watching lecture. He's a very methodical lecturer and a fabulous explainer of the concepts. Um so by merging Russell's dental work, because he's been working with dentists, with my exploration of the central sensitization, because I, you know, I had no idea really, to be honest, that dentists had done this much work until I conducted a full literature review before we prepared these seminars. Um, always aware that low back pain has got a very high central consequence. I know that most of our listeners will understand that. 
But of course, we have much more representation of our face and head and mouth and lips on our homunculus, our sensory representation in our brain than we do with our back. So one can imagine that, uh, you know, the pain in this area can really smudge the representation of our body map in our brain. And, And indeed it does. Chronic TMD patients, chronic TMD patients have what we call cortical smudging. They will have hand pain. They will have pain all over their bodies. Uh, so the dentist became very interested in this area and uh, subsequently produced a lot of research, So, um, which has been good for us because we can reach into that research and, and apply very good evidence-based um, examination and um, practical, you know, maybe methodologies to help our patients. So speaking of that evidence-based approach, are there di- evidence-based diagnostic tools or questionnaires that chiropractors can use when they're sort of dealing with these TMD cases and determine whether it is, a, in fact, a, a central sensitization? Yes. In actual fact, um, probably the most used tool is the central sensitization inventory, so the CSI. That's been something that was developed um, in the late 2000s and uh, has been well tested and validated. It's a series of questions, 25 questions that actually uh, reach into the various areas of uh, central pain, the pelvis, the TMD, uh, sleep, all the various areas that people uh, normally their lives are disrupted because the neural networks in their brain have been disrupted. Um, and it's a, a very reliable and sensitive questionnaire. Um, the good news about that questionnaire that, that it wasn't particularly dent, uh, developed by dentists, but dentists have used it. And we know that if you've got fibromyalgia, you can use the central sensitization inventory. If you've got chronic low back pain, you can use the central sensitization inventory. If you have TMD, you can use the central sensitization inventory. What it will do is give you an indication whether, whether the pain your patient's experiencing may have a central component that you might need to deal with while you're administering your peripheral uh, therapy. So um, it gives you just a bit of a guide to perhaps not waste time and find that three months down the road, this patient's no better, when perhaps at the beginning, you could have applied some central um, therapy and modalities that might have assisted your peripheral treatment. So yeah, look, this central sensitization inventory, I use this now as the core for my lecture. So I basically deconstruct that that questionnaire. We look at the various brain areas that it, it, it uh, deals with. Um, and it's been a very convenient tool for me to be able to present as the core of my lectures. Okay, so for our listeners, what we'll do is we'll have a link uh, that'll go out with this podcast uh, to that central sensitization inventory. And uh, then people can have a look at it and explore that further. So... Um, Obviously, a, a peripheral patient and a central sensitization patient, we need different uh, approaches to care. Um, what, what, what are the main differences in terms of managing uh, these people? Well, if we have a non-central pain patient um, and uh, we, we, can, we can administer our therapy with the normal care and, and duty of care that we do, but most of us know that uh, the marvellous manual therapy techniques that chiropractors have, particularly and osteopaths have, um, most of our patients can tolerate that and we, we're experienced in understanding the range of uh, therapy we can administer, whether it's heavy or light or moderate or whether we do it you know, weekly or twice weekly. Patients can normally take what we we give them. With central pain patients, 
we have to be very careful to titrate our therapy. So you may administer the same therapy, but you may need to be monitoring other signs within the nervous system that might give you an indication that you might be overdoing it, for example. Particularly the autonomic nervous system, we know that the autonomic nervous system is a great window into how the brain's really working, especially our limbic system. So we try to teach you how to monitor and first of all identify biomarkers that might be an indication that the the autonomic nervous system is dysfunctional due to this central pain um, syndrome, and then how to monitor that through your therapy. So the the first thing would be to get a baseline of the autonomic nervous function, the nervous system function, a baseline of brainstem um, nervous system function. We don't try, we don't complicate it too much. We try to give our attendees some simple, straightforward protocols. Um, once you've, underst you've understood the baseline of this, then administer your peripheral therapies. It doesn't matter whether you use SOT, whether you use Activator, whether you use Gonstead. Um, you're the experts in those areas. Um, and then you're able to monitor the changes that your patients um, experience through your therapy and hopefully get an idea to stay within, within a range that is tolerant to these these very special patients, these patients who will tell you that they had a massage uh, last week and they weren't able to walk for two or three days and the pain was awful. So, you know, that's a red flag in the history. We'll demonstrate to you a red flag in the, in the, uh, um, the examination on a patient like that and then we'll give you some baseline measures and then how to monitor that through your therapy. So, uh, yes, you treat them very differently if you want to improve your outcomes and minimise uh, the negative impact of your therapy. And I guess that's uh, critical because no doubt that these sort of people who have had those kind of, you know, reactions where they couldn't walk for two or three days after a massage are, are probably extremely nervous and uh, may not have a lot of confidence in the, the, the practitioners. And, and just getting through those initial baby steps uh, must be very important just in terms of the psychology of the relationship uh, between the central sensitized patient and, uh, and their chiropractor. Very much so, Anthony. Um, one of the biggest um, issues with these patients is they actually lose concept of their own body. Their body image, their body feeling is massively distorted. Um, we know that perhaps um, people who have body dysmorphias with eating disorders would have a similar situation. They look in a mirror and feel they're fat, and, um, but they're not, so they have a change in their perception of self. People with chronic pain syndromes also have a change in their body awareness, their legs, their arms, they don't feel the same. So they're very sensitive towards anyone touching and, and moving. So you're right, they're hyper-anticipatory, and when they're hyper-anticipatory, they're, they're really developing limbic motor networks, if no different than if a tiger was approaching them, you would be using very different muscles and structures uh, to either run away or defend yourself. So these patients will have uh, limbic motor networks that are hyper-anticipatory, uh, whether to fight or flight, um, and they may not understand that, and unless you understand that, um, you may feed into that cycle, um, and and that can be just devastating for a patient and for a therapist who is who is trying to do their best. So for those that are interested in attending uh, the seminar that both you and Russell Motto are putting on in Sydney and Melbourne, what, what can they expect? What uh, What's the format? Well, we, we've tried to make it um, a bit like the old technique cracks that you had when you were a student where you were in a technique lab with tables. We have our uh, treatment tables laid out. The people are put in pairs and basically you listen, listen to our lecture around that treatment table and very often you are 
immediately told to go to the table and examine or treat or reproduce what we're doing. So it, it is probably a 60% hands-on and probably a 40% um, chat-chat, jaw-jaw. Um, we use, I would say for a couple of old focus, we use some high-tech stuff. We're using Apple TV, so we're recording, we're putting everything that Russell might be doing with very detailed um, therapy and myself. We will be videoing that. We put it up onto the screen straight away through just projecting it from an iPhone or an iPad. We record that so you can replay it and watch it. We also then put that onto YouTube and have private access so you can go over all the techniques that we've shown you and we've edited those to highlight. We've got a lot of text around those uh, videos to demonstrate exactly what positioning and angling um, and the very specific things that we need to show. So you've got your own time to review it afterwards. We have a lot of notes, a lot of uh, a lot of pre-lecturing notes that we have. Um, we don't want to bombard you, but we don't want to be going too much into into the research detail. You know, I, as anyone who knows me, I can bore you for for 25 hours at a time. Actual research detail. So we're trying to move away from that. So you'll have access to all that information beforehand and afterwards. So uh, yeah, we're doing our best to make it very much hands-on, very much practical. We're walking around saying no, that's not the way you do it. We're trying to actually line you up and show you to to, to really um, to keep that. So look, our numbers aren't big. We're not looking for for huge numbers. Uh, we like we like as many people as we can, but we do draw a line. So uh, we have an opportunity to be able to uh, keep hands-on and keep um, very much a, a practical overview of what people are doing. Well, it certainly sounds like uh, anyone attending your seminar will come out feeling very confident in uh, the application of some of the techniques that you're talking about with that kind of a, a approach. For those that are, that are interested in uh, hearing Dr. Paul Noon and uh, Dr. Russell Mottram, their seminars are on at Sydney on the 29th and 30th of April and in Melbourne on the 6th and the 7th of May. For bookings, you can go to tmjcare.com.au forward slash courses and we'll also put that uh, website um, on with the information that goes out in the podcast. Paul, uh, thank you so much uh, for, for your time. It's been a real pleasure. I don't think I've ever sat down and had more than a, a, a minute conversation uh, with you without learning something new and I've learned something new again today. So I really appreciate that. A pleasure and thanks very much for the opportunity, Anthony. That was great. Uh, next podcast will, uh, in fact, feature uh, Dr. Russell Mottram. So we'll get the second half of the story uh, about um, and probably going more into the TMD side of things. Uh, but that's it for me. Thanks for listening. Go forward with passion and purpose. And I look forward to chatting with you again on our next CAA podcast.